All right. Hello, everybody. We're back with a a new episode for 2024. And um, I'm really excited to have my friend Hillary from Kalo Bridal back on because I just love her. And um, for this episode, we're going to talk about our predictions, not in the way that you think, not like, oh, what's in and what's out, but predictions in what is going to be new and and how our businesses will need to operate respectively. So for me, for photography, what are predictions um, that I think will come about in terms of how we operate as photographers? And also Hillary is going to be doing the same as a, a planner in her perspective. And hopefully this gives some insight as to, you know, what to prepare for for the next year and hopefully how to like prepare you to work really well with other vendors. Cause we were talking about that before we went on air of like, you know, what should photographers expect in terms of working with a planner and how to set yourself up for success and also make it easy, um, on the planner as well. And there's some preconceived notions that we might have in terms of what it's like, but, um, we just want to talk about the realities here. So welcome, Hillary. Welcome back. How are you Hi, doing? Hi, Cassie. Thank you. So oh. great to chat. Well, live. we chat a lot, but it's so great to chat live. <laughs> yeah. Actually record our conversations. If only. <laughs> if only they were all recorded. <laughs> to do this, but. Dangerous. Um, I'm so happy to have you. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to just dive on in. And um, we were talking about predictions on your side and on my side. And I, I want you to go first because I okay. feel like, you know, I, I can talk about like <sighs> photography stuff, but I think it's so important for vendors to understand like how planners work because you, you guys are the gatekeepers and you're the ones that you know, show us to your clients and pull in vendors who will fit the client's vision. And so I think it's really important to have you chat first as kind of like a baseline so that um, when we go into other things, we we can kind of like start there. Yes. Yeah. Love so it. What are your, what are your predictions? What do you 2024 think? 2024 predictions. Yeah. Well, that's what I love about talking to you, Cassie, in general, because when we wanted to collab on another episode and we were kind of talking about ideas and you said like, what about 2024 trends? Um, and we're like, okay, so it's the year of the bow. Everyone wants color. You know, like what I love is that when we talk, it's always like the click down because you were like trends, but wait, like trends specific for photography, trends specific for planning. And I loved that because I think one reason why I love this industry is that um, I'm very right brain, left brain. And so I like that in one way, I have like a framework that is tried and true and I can use it again and again. But in the other way, it's always different. It's always changing. Like even if it's within one year, all of my clients want something different, are super, you know, different backgrounds. Like there's so much variation. Um, so as business owners, that being said, like if things are always changing, our business kind of always needs to be changing and adapting also. Yeah. 
So I loved that idea of like talking about trends through, yes, wedding trends, but from like a little bit different perspective. So from a planning perspective, the biggest trend that I'm seeing in 2024, and then I mean, case in point, as a planner, if I'm doing projections, I'm really already thinking about 2025 because like my 2024 is baked, you know, and I mean, I still have a lot of planning to do for weddings this year. (laughs) I'm not onboarding new clients. I'm not, you know, starting, I'm not trying to get more clients for this year. I'm executing for clients this year. So I really, you know, 2024 and beyond. Um, The biggest thing I'm seeing just with wedding planning in general is that clients are actually hiring a wedding planner. Um, Yeah. Yay. (laughs) Everyone rejoices. Um, And if you're not rejoicing, like, I think this will be a good episode and good nuggets to hear from because um, photographers, especially when I started doing day of coordination, it would be photographers who used to kind of be like the time frame holder, you know, like they were watching the timeline. They were kind of acting as a coordinator if there was not a coordinator. Um, so usually I get the feedback from photographers like, oh my goodness, we love working with a planner. It's so much easier. It frees you up to like focus on your job and not try to wear a lot of hats. But every once in a while, I do kind of feel that that can be uncomfortable for people who are used to their certain processes or timelines. Um, And of course, not all planners are created equal and maybe not all are um, as informed or know how to craft timelines. So there can definitely be pressure points. But in general, um, I think it's a great thing that clients are hiring planners. I do too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I do see that across the board. In general, I've seen more and more of my like photographer colleagues, peers online saying that they require a planner if, you know, a client comes to them before they hire a planner. Um, And I I'm doing the same, not not to make it miserable for the client because some people are like oh why do I even need one you know and I I for the past three years I don't think I've had for the majority most clients do have a planner but sometimes people who are not in the wedding industry they they're like well you don't really need a planner you just do the thing and I have to explain to people like no actually if you don't have a planner guess what and I had this happen to me multiple times where the the couple spent a lot of money on their wedding and they're like, oh, well, you know, like the the person who's managing the venue will do it. No, they they don't. And um, they had their sister, the groom's sister, be the planner, I guess, to manage. Yeah. Well, at some point before dinner, during cocktail hour, she was enjoying herself. And then, you know, because she's not a professional planner she just kind of stopped and um, the dinner and um, appetizers got behind about a half hour to 45 minutes because no one told the DJ to announce to the guests to sit down because they were going to start serving. And the catering was just standing in the back um, in the kitchen because they were waiting from for the DJ's cue to start come out and serving 
And no one was doing that. So that wedding, I actually ended up staying two hours later than I was scheduled to because everything got off schedule by two hours. Which is super generous of you. Like (laughs) not all, and I know people listening, not all photographers will do that. Like I've had things that run on time and there's like a surprise bonus. Um, And a photographer has looked at their watch and been like, watching the minutes and then they're like my contract is up and they leave. So that's super nice of you that you stayed, but with things running off time, it could mean they lost two hours of coverage of their wedding. Yeah. And it's such a bummer, right? Because the yeah. guest, it's more about like the guest experience at that point. Um, but also I, I personally don't believe in hours and that that's something that switched in my business a couple years ago, just because it's the nature of the wedding day. And I want my couples to have a really great experience. And yeah, after 10 hours, I'm tired, but I also understand we're there to serve. Um, but it, it was just really, it was difficult because I was running in between communicating between vendors and the DJ and catering when I could have been photographing really beautiful moments. Totally. So that's what I tell my couples. I'm like, Hey, you know, you, you're spending a lot of money on me. And if you don't have a planner, then guess what? You're going to miss a lot of moments because of X, Y, and Z won't happen because no one's there to cue for it to happen. And I know it's supposed to happen because I've been in enough weddings. Totally. Yeah. And I think stories like that, wedding planning is so interesting because of course some people get married multiple times, but usually it's a different time and there's different trends and all that. I think all of us could say the huge majority of people we're working with, it's their first wedding. Um, Or I've had clients where it's like their second marriage, but their first wedding, if that makes sense. Like a lot of them are like, okay, we're having our first wedding planning experience. Um, so even like when, before I was in the industry and I was planning my own wedding and a lot of my girlfriends were planning their weddings, um, we know that this industry is a word of mouth industry, right? So what I was seeing, you know, when you're chatting with your girls and talking about wedding planning, it's like time after time after time friends. And then it would turn into clients who I was just doing day of coordination for at the time. I would get the feedback over and over like, oh my gosh, we didn't know the help that we needed. Had we known, we would have gotten the help. Um, We thought we would like this and we hated this. Or like we kind of enjoyed it, but we just didn't feel prepared or supported. You know, like we couldn't find the resources that we needed. But 100% of the time afterwards, every single person was like, oh my gosh, I learned so much and I would have done so much different if I could go back and start again. But guess what? You don't just like start planning another wedding, you know? You're like, okay, well, that's what it is. And I think because there is so much pressure for weddings to be like the best day of your life, the best memories, and often they are, but there's this underbelly that's really sad. Like there was a ton of stress. There was a ton of last minute fees that no one told them about when in in the olden days before they had a planner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so... What I love and where my confidence has really grown in this industry, you know, like when I was in the earlier business days and I was trying to figure out what to 
price and, oh my goodness, are people going to pay that? Am I even worth it? You know, all of that stuff you have to go through, all this self-therapy you have to go through as a business owner. Um, Now I have so much confidence because I've just seen the value add over and over. As couples, you don't get to use that knowledge unless you're just kind of telling your friends. Like usually a couple getting married will be like, oh, our friend told us this photographer is the best money we'll spend. Or our friend told us to not use their caterer because it was awful. You'll just get these little anecdotes because every planning experience and every wedding is different. But as a wedding planner, I go to a wedding, I learn a lot, and then I get to use that knowledge to make the next experience better. And then it keeps going and going. And so my connections, my experience, my like tips and tricks – just grow and grow and grow. And I love that I get to just like start my couples at this whole other level. So like when you have a full service wedding planner, it's almost like sometimes my couples are like, should we be doing anything? Like it's almost yeah. too, too not stressful um, because, or if they have questions on like, they just don't have to wonder, you know, like if we have questions on, we don't really know like when we should ask for RSVPs to be due by. Like I have a formula for that and I know exactly what to tell them. So what I'm getting at is this industry is very word of mouth. And, you know, however many years ago, like you're talking about Cassie, I think the industry as a whole, including couples really saw the value of having a day of coordination, a day of coordinator. And so vendors, venues especially started requiring that. And now it's just the next progression of that. Um, Couples are talking, more and more people are realizing like, oh, I can have a wedding planner, even if my wedding's not like a $400,000 wedding. Like wedding planners used to just be for the luxury space and now they're for everyone. (laughs) And so um, like some really good sound bites I've gotten from my clients specifically are like, we didn't know we could afford a wedding planner. We didn't think we could, but our friends told us like, no, we actually had a wedding planner. It was more affordable than we thought. And it was so easy. And they saved us money. They told us what to do. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like the trend I'm seeing is that word of mouth with clients and then as well with vendors is shifting where instead of like, oh, it'd be nice if you could afford a wedding planner. It's like, you need to get a wedding planner. And in turn, I'm finding I clients that would hire me full service wedding planning, I feel like they would normally already have a photographer in mind they would already have a date and they'd already have a venue. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing more and more clients. I'm They're starting with me and they're coming to planning first. That's awesome. As it should be. And I, I also wonder if part of this shift in the industry, it has any, and this is just me making a random, no educational, you know, I'm making a hypothesis here. Let's hear it. Let's hear the theory. What if like TikTok and social media and you know how people make reels and make TikToks of like, here's what I would do differently for my wedding. Here's what I wouldn't do. Or because of the ability for people to 
um, and brides to reflect on their weddings, especially some influencers who like document their whole wedding process. And people are just, they love them like Sophia Richie or whoever. Um, now I just think about me and my process for finding a new hair and hairstylist. I usually go on to Instagram and look up hashtags, right? For like Portland hairstylist or whatever. And then I go through their portfolios. Maybe couples do the same thing where they're following certain people online and um, they look at like the do's and the don'ts, what I would do differently and why. And maybe that also uh, the social media shopping uh, behavior that we do mm-hmm. as millennials is also impacting how we look at our our wedding um, purchase process. And that's just from my, like, I, I immediately think about consumer behavior and how people make purchasing decisions. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, we, we underestimate the value of how peers share their experiences and how that impacts next year's wedding industry. So I wonder if some of that plays in. I think you're, I think you're spot on. I also think sometimes I see a really direct correlation between macro trends for wedding planning and macro trends for business because, um, I work with different age groups, but typically like my clients are kind of in a certain age range that goes with certain generational like ethos. Mm -hmm. And so I also think as you were saying that it made me realize like, okay, as 30 somethings and as business owners and moms, um, which is a specific or even just as business owners, like as a 30 something professional millennial, like what is the message right now? It's like, um, self-love balance. Um, it's like the pendulum swing of like hustle, hustle, hustle. It's like, slow down, spend time with what matters. And it's a lot about outsourcing. And so putting that onto like my couple's frames of mind. And again, all of this is with like the disclaimer of we all have different clientele, but for the clients and now mine aren't just Portland based. They're kind of all over the nation. Um, But for my couples, like usually they're both working and they're coming to a planner because they're busy. And like we've said, like they've heard from friends or from social media that like hiring a planner is a thing and they want to see my rates. And then they realize like, Oh, this is actually pretty affordable in the grand scheme of my budget. And it's totally worth it. Um, and I used to, we can talk about marketing trends maybe in a minute, but I used to feel, I've talked about it a lot recently in my own business, like niching down and how that pays off. Um, but I'm just seeing more, whether it's that the right clients are coming to me already. So the conversations are already, they're just ready to buy, but also I'm just finding, I don't really have to explain my value to clients as much as I used to. They just yeah. know like the value of a wedding planner, the value of having someone on your team. So right. yeah, I liked that TikTok insight and kind of like hearing, you know, word of mouth, but from people you don't even know, you know, maybe bigger names. 
But I also, it made me think, I'm like, ooh, just kind of that outsource thing. That's a big thing in business right now. You know, I'm like, our clients are doing the same thing. They want to outsource the planning. They're like, plan it for us and we'll show up. I can't even tell you how many messages I'll get from um, people who do iPhone behind the scenes videos. Like they, they're like, Hey, I would love to do come and do behind the scene videos for you for free. Um, just so you can try out my, my services to recommend to your clients or all of people email me saying, Hey, I do behind the scenes, uh, social media video. If you have any clients who need it, let me know. And I, at first I was like, no, this, like, this isn't going to catch on. Like people's friends do that. And then I had clients that started asking me for those recommendations. They're like, Hey, do you know anybody who can come and do the social media behind the scenes video? And Ann asked me if I could do it. And I was like, Whoa, this is becoming a thing. So I definitely see that happening. It just, when you said outsourcing, I immediately thought of that too. Well, and I feel like that kind of ties into marketing trends like I talked about. And so that thing you're talking about, what do we call them? What do they call themselves? Like like social content creators kind of or behind the scenes. Yeah. So I saw, you know, the early um, adopters in that. Like I saw those kind of popping up the last year or two. And same as you, I was like, ooh, is this going to catch on or not? But I've seen it both where like you as a photographer – could hire your own like you might have a content creator following you around yeah and that is a whole conversation about if that person's gonna get in the way that goes into like a whole vendor etiquette dynamic thing which I I would love to dive into um (laughs) but for clients I haven't had any talk about it specifically yet but I know that it is coming for clients. That's really interesting also. So what are your thoughts? Do you think that that's going to catch on? I totally think it's going to catch on. I've had a few couples ask me like, hey, do you provide that? Or do you have a second shooter that provides that? And um, my second shooter, Clara, shout out. She's amazing. Um, she goes with me to most of my weddings. I... Um, I, I didn't ask her at first to take videos, but then she would. And then she'd send them to me because she's just, Clara's so yes. amazing. Clara's she, the best. Yeah. yeah. If you don't know Clara, meet Clara. <laughs> yeah. She's an amazing boudoir photographer. And so like, if you need boudoir, you definitely do that. Um, but I started to realize, wow, people love the behind the scenes videos of like me working, but also... I would start to ask Clara to like, just take video throughout the day while you're with me um, and not shooting. And we'll send that to couples. And I don't, I can't do that at every wedding because some weddings are like way more fast paced and I can't guarantee it because I need her to be shooting tablescapes while I'm doing family. And then we've got to go right into grand entrance. So there's no time. But to answer your question, that is a really... I see it coming and it depends on the couple, but in terms of like etiquette, it may, it's so easy for Clara to do it when she's with me because she's shooting and if she's shooting, she can pull out her phone and record things. But if a client were to, to hire a third party 
I would hope that they are professional enough to understand how to collaborate with the photography and videography team and not in the way. Um, Because it's the same thing with like photographers and videographers. A good photographer, a good videographer will reach out to each other and say, hey, what's your approach? How do you plan on filming the ceremony? Like, you know, let's work together. We're a team on this. Um, And I've had other situations where the videographer would step in front of me constantly. And I was always trying to get out of their way to be polite because we're a team. We're there as the couple. Um, And so sometimes you get, it's a mixed bag. So I would hope if this becomes a trend and couples really want it, which I do, I'm starting to see it. Mm -hmm. But this is probably going to be one of those things that it's going to be either luxury clients or clients who have more of an online presence. Totally. Um, The companies who are doing this will really need to understand professionalism and how a wedding day flows so they don't step on toes. Totally. And that's kind of what I was thinking as you were discussing about the photo and video team teaming up the way my head works from a planning perspective is like, or the planner on board is able to like navigate those things up front. And as this does become more and more of a thing, um, not to say it can't change because we learn as we go, but I'm always into consolidating the amount of teams that are on site just because it works more harmoniously. You know, like if there's in-house catering at a venue, it's always 10 times easier than me bringing a caterer from outside. Yeah. So in the same, if this content creation um, is a thing at a wedding, as a planner, the way I would strategize for the best client experience, the best guest experience, and the best vendor experience is I will always choose if my photo or video who's already hired for the wedding has that as like an add-on, you know? Yeah. So where it can be their own in-house person, whether it's a second shooter who's also the content creator, or it's someone else who, you know, rolls up into the photo or video bill. But it's, um, you know, a freelancer for the videographer or the photographer, Um, because I just know that those things that make or break a dynamic, make or break shots, um, you know, the nitty gritty that clients don't think about and in the work I do, it's not their job to think about. Um, So, yeah, that might be just like a little hot take, hot tip for people, for trends, for marketing. Maybe think about, or even that's like a huge thing of pricing as well. Um, there's kind of one stance that, um, let's see, what do they say? I've heard it on Jai Long's podcast, who is a genius in this area, where it's like easier, like if, if fewer clients, but more volume with those clients, right? So um, I don't know if people are feeling like their bookings are lower this year, maybe they should just look at how to enhance the experience. And maybe that's just a little 2024 trend we're seeing that people want content creators. And if you're a photographer or a videographer, see how you can partner with someone to add that to your team. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with that. Um, because it's not 
you know, if it's just me and Clara and she has a lot to manage and I've got a lot to manage and there's a lot going on, it would be nice if the planner was like, Hey, this is going to be a really like high pressure wedding. We've got a lot of moving parts. Knowing that ahead of time would be so helpful, especially if the couple's like, Hey, can you also do content creation? Then I would bring on a third. Yeah. Mainly because, they already have the understanding of the etiquette, how to not step on toes, and also have the eye and know when they should be filming something and what would be good content. Right. In the back of my mind. And for anyone who's hearing like etiquette in this realm and they're like, what are they even talking about? What could that even mean? You know, um, like a good story that puts that into like the way this could go wrong is I've heard it was not my own wedding, but I've heard horror stories from another vendor friend. Um, I've heard lots, but this is a good one that wraps it up is that um, there was a photo video team who was hired to be there for the day. And of course, most photo videos, like you have clauses in your contracts where it's like, where we have exclusive rights to be photography, you know, um, yeah. And sometimes there's, we all know that saga, like sometimes there's an uncle or a grandpa who has a film camera and how I handle it with my clients is we talk about it up front. If they know like uncle Bob is going to bring his film, his film camera. And most of my photographers have no issue with that. We just say like, okay, not during key moments and not doing organized photo shoots, but like, sure. If they want to capture personally, that's fine. Um, I think some photographers get a lot more up in arms about it. I've just found um, just being like harmonious and professional, it's usually the better way to go. But back to the horror story scenario, um, I have heard in this new content creation being a focus, like a DJ had someone there to film the DJ in their element the whole time. And so like during the first dance, this content creator was like up in the couple's faces and blocking any and every shot that someone could have gotten. And like when it's during key moments and said content creator, no one knew they were going to be there and they are solely functioning to benefit the vendor Um, and it was not like agreed upon, that's an issue because they're getting in the way of what the couple did contract and pay for. Um, So that's just kind of a little, as far as we're talking about etiquette, um, the sky's the limit on possibilities. Everyone just has to like be on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I think professional is a skill that we're not born with and understanding etiquette. It's one of those things that you you really need to learn and teach yourself and understand. And if you don't, if you're not sure how to behave or if you're not sure what is appropriate, ask. Yeah. Because no, people don't know. And, yeah. and I've heard stories too where you're just like, they probably were well intentioned, but they didn't realize that that threw off probably that team. Totally. Um, they didn't mean to, but it, it did. So yeah. Or like another one I have seen before in real time is like when, um, and you can tell it's good nature, but when a DJ is hyping the crowd and they're like, you guys look awesome. Hey, where's the photographer? Get up here. We're going to take a group shot. 
And like, that's not a thing. That's not the vibe. That's not what was planned. No, the photographer is not going to stop what they're doing and take a group shot, you know, but I'm sure the DJ is just trying to like hype up the photographer. You know what I mean? That's just like another great example of what we're talking about etiquette. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And and back to like, if it all comes through a planner who can kind of tell, I mean, we've worked together on a lot of weddings. We have a lot of weddings together this year. Um, but we always, you and I, Cassie and Hillary, like actual, not theory, (laughs) our real weddings we do together. You know, I always give you a briefing on like, okay, here's the vibe. Here's the mood boards. Here's the visuals, but also like, okay, this is a consideration, but this isn't, you know what I mean? Like, even if you know someone's work style, Every event is a little bit different and every family is a little bit different. There's different considerations. So just back to kind of how you were saying, um, yeah, more and more clients are leading with a planner and that should be a good planner. That should just be like so such good news for every vendor to hear. It should make everyone's lives easier Um, for the hiring process for the whole journey, but especially day of. Yeah. Well, do you see any like specific trends in how you operate your business or other planners are operating their business that is going to be different for this year compared to last? Like as far as um, like how I work with clients or how I get clients or everything. It could be either. Um, I mean, yeah, I do see differences. Um, actual working with clients, personally, I've been transitioning to taking on full design and plan only clients. So, um, I mean, really personal in my own business, I've been shifting, like I created a whole new visual like streamlined wedding planning platform that I work with my clients on where before it was just a bunch of emails and folders and that just wasn't working if now I'm going full in on servicing these clients and giving them the best experience um so my process of working with clients um just like the actual tactical like what databases and things I use that has changed um and then as I do get more and more full design and plan clients like my clients are honestly trending more and more hands off like we spend a lot of time um aligning on mood boards and budget and guest lists up front like so that you know the parameters um not to get too deep into like planning methodology but the parameters like my phase one is setting the vision and the scope And then phase two is hiring the vendors. And the way that I work is since we already know the design vibe and we already know the budget, they'll hear from me when I have proposals or suggestions and we kind of go like one vendor group at a time. Um, And then, so yeah, I guess the trust is really there and it's more of a hands-off experience. And of course, like if they have any questions along the way, I let them know and I give them updates. Um, But does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, 
And because we did talk about this earlier, and I know people always want to know this. Photographers always want to know this. Hillary, how <laughs> in the heck do planners decide which vendors to send to couples? Because I think a lot of the time, photographers in general are like, how can I get on a planner's preferred list? Or yeah. like, why do photo- why do planners send particular photographers at XYZ? And from my experience, it hasn't been like I'll have planners that recommend me that I'll I've never worked with before. Mm-hmm. And I've never emailed them to get on their preferred list because that is icky. Just don't yeah. do it in general. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I could go on and on about that. But um I just want I want transparency and I don't think in my mind that planners are trying to be clicky or trying to only recommend certain people. Um, so I want you, if you are comfortable to shed. Oh, yeah. So comfortable. <laughs> I'm just still grinning about the icky. You're like, that's icky. <laughs> Don't do anything icky. Um, yeah, I love that question. And I won't, I'm a big disclaimer. If you know me, I just always know that there's so many sides. I'm not the type of person who's like, what I say is truth. I'm like, I do what works for me. And I think everyone should do what works for them. So I like kind of always see that there's other sides. So um, I will definitely give my opinion knowing. Okay, so let me get to it because it's kind of what I'm going to say. The people on my preferred lists, well, even that, I used to have a preferred list when, especially when I was doing day of coordination and I wanted to help my clients out. Like, I'm not really going to work with them until the month of, but they're hiring me eight months to a year out. I would send them my preferred vendors list so that, um, you know, I can refer the people that I know who are good in the area, who are already vetted. But a lot of times they just, they were doing their own planning. So they would do their own price checking and, you know, would find some of their own people. And it was not always successful. And it's why I'm not offering day of coordination anymore. Um, Oh, like you said, I could talk on and on, on and on and on for that. Um, The people, how do I decide who to refer? I'll even go a step deeper. Um, I start, well, we start with venue. Right now, about half of my vendor or clients come to me with a venue in mind. The other half want my help finding a venue, which I am happy to do if, like, I'm just going to be honest, like, inquiries I'm getting in real time in January of 2024, and they want to have a wedding in September 2024, and they have no date or venue, I cannot take those clients on because, and I feel like, again, there's none available and their budget, their total budget is like 15 K, you know, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I am full for September, 2024. Um, and you know, I feel it. There's like going to be no venues available, you know? And this year, this year booking is slower. And so I, I don't tell them it's impossible. I'm not rude. I do not laugh at them. But I do say, like, I've gotten a few inquiries for, like, venues that I do work at often. And I know that they 
That thing that I help my clients up front, we talk about budget up front, sometimes even before we sign, because budget is everything, not in status, not in what type of wedding you're going to have. But from a planning perspective, I learned this the hard way, right? Like they need, my clients need to have a realistic expectation for budget, but so do I. I can't sign up because it sounds super fun. They're super cool. I love the venue. But then like, oh, I literally can't make a wedding happen for that, you know? So um, again, just back to the value that a planner adds, we know what things cost and we'll tell you up front and we can burst your bubble early and then we can like help you create cool ideas. Um, Okay. But back to what you're talking about in order I start with venue. We got to have a date in a venue. Sometimes people like want to jump to photographer and florist. And of course, your photographer is going to be like, let me know when you have a date and we can sign things even if you want to. Um, So after a venue and a date is set, I start with photographer. Um, We after we get mood boards and everything, photographers are the first that I like coach my clients in hiring. Um, who I decide to reach out to is totally based on, I'm just going to call it the vibe, (laughs) you know, like we have the mood boards. It's based on the vibe, like the mood boards, plus my couple's personality. Plus we talk a lot up front about like why they're hosting this wedding, kind of what like the ethos of their wedding is. Um, so you know what I mean? Like I, and that's why getting to know how you said, like, if someone reaches out to me on email, that's awesome. But I can't refer them until we work together, we meet up, I see, like, I have to build the trust. Because um, as I recently said on something that I typed for you, Cassie, the vendors that I refer are my reputation. So The vendors on my preferred list are people I trust. I know the quality is there. And then um, when I'm actually deciding who to send my clients, I don't just send my top three favorite people because they might not be the right style of photography that my clients want. So I very much lean super heavily. I feel like my job is bringing my clients' design and vision to life. So if they are more into light and airy, like I send photographers that do light and airy. I don't send them dark and moody. Um, A lot of my clients, like you're saying, have kind of like TikTok or Instagram reference and they kind of already know what they want. But if I have clients who, you know, I have some who aren't on social media at all. They've heard of me through word of mouth from friends or family, you know, outside of kind of this like Instagram world. And so we start at click above, like I send them documents of different feelings of photography to help them find what they're really looking for. And then based on that, um, you know, I always try to send two to three options within their budget. So that's the other clincher is um, we talk about budget up front. I give them realistic expectation of you know, the photographers, the florists, the caterers I work with, what they will be spending. So that's really helpful for my clients, as you can imagine. Like, they know I'm sending them people they can afford, people they can fall in love with. 
You know, yeah. I'm not sending them like, look at this really talented photographer. And then they're like, we love them. And then I'm like, oh, but you have to pay 3K more than you were planning, you know? Yeah, that's so just dis- that would be so disappointing. And it's such a good insight that you bring into that because I think photographers or any other vendor really needs to understand that like as a planner, you don't want to disappoint your clients. You want to keep things in budget. Unless, of course, they're like, no, we'll we'll cut costs somewhere else for photography or for florals yeah. or whatever. Then you can have some wiggle room. But um, that's why you do what you do. So you can figure out what is the most important to them. Yes. Yeah, you don't want to burst their bubble. You don't want to have expectations that aren't met. And also for me as a photographer, I appreciate that a planner will send the correct vibe of photographer to the couples. Cause I never want a, a couple to come to me and be like, we love how you shoot, but can you edit completely differently? Yeah. I like, no, I hear other photographers that I recommend cause I could try to edit that way, but I probably would miserably fail. Right. So yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate that. Good. <laughs> um, I had one other good thought on that. Um, Oh, for people trying, vendors trying to get on planners preferred lists. I mean, we could probably talk a whole different episode about that. But one little thing I'll say, because I have struggled with this myself um, when I do get like, hey, can we meet for coffee emails? Because I genuinely care about people and helping people. And I've done this business the hard and slow way, <laughs> like learning it on my own um, and trial and erring, which I know a lot of us have. But, you know, it's great that there's so much education now and so much sharing. So what I'm saying is I can kind of get that like, oh, I want to help everyone. And yeah. And so. Um, just a little encouragement to people out there. If they're trying, what I see a lot is I think there's a hot take out there in the business world. Like, Hey, you should get on planners preferred list. Um, so you should like introduce yourself. That's not a bad idea. And I think that sometimes I get this feeling that people expect it to work the first time. And if it doesn't, they're like, oh, they wouldn't put me on their preferred list, you know? And from the receiving end, um, I'm just really aware that every business owner has different goals at different times. So I think just an encouragement, like if you're a photographer and you're feeling like it is a goal of yours to get more connected with planners like first and foremost, like look at their portfolio and is the work that you're doing pairing with the kind of work they're doing? You know, like sometimes I get reached out from photographers and it's really not a style of photography that my clients are going to jive with, you know? So I think that also just goes to show, I guess it's just that thing of finding your people and not taking it personally. I know sometimes this industry, people can get like, oh, it's so clicky. And I just don't agree with that. I think that people, it takes a lot of time and effort to find your people. I think there's also this misconstrued notion, like 
Cassie and I are really good friends. We see each other like a few times a year. And usually it's at a wedding. You know what I mean? So I think there's also this misconstrued notion like, oh, all these vendors are click and they're hanging out and they won't let me in. It's like, I personally, I feel and everyone's lives are different, but I feel it's that we are all so busy running our businesses and we're all doing the best we can. So if you can make things easy for people and if you can like try to help them, like offer something to them, like the best, um, the best kind of that works for me. Like when a photographer reaches out to me and they're like, Hey, I love your work. Kill them with kindness. Obviously I want to know that you've seen my work and yeah. you resonate with it. Not just here's a, here, here's me, me, me. And I'm a photographer and you should hire me. Like that's right. so awkward. You haven't shown me anything, you know? Right. Um, but if they're like, Hey, I have this styled shoot idea and I want to collaborate on this styled shoot, or do you have any creative ideas you've been wanting to do? I'd love to shoot it for you. Like making it easier yeah. or I'm not going to lie. This might be, this might be a little saucy to say, but if a photographer or a florist reaches out to me and says, Hey, I'm just building my business. I love your work. I want to be one of the vendors you work with and I am willing to like heavily discount for the first client that you send my way. Yeah. Then like, yeah, I noticed that. And I, again, if the design ethos is the same and I feel like I can work with this person, I totally 100% understand that people are, you know what I mean? That need for portfolio builders. Right. And this goes back to having a planner on board. If you don't have a planner on board, you better have like the best social media, the best marketing, because especially in this year where bookings are slower, clients are more in control, like you can't just have an Instagram site anymore. I just call it a living business card. Like you have to actually be like attracting clients now. So if you have a planner, um, I've definitely gotten like private chefs, new florists on board for a team because I really believe in this person and I know they have talent and they don't have a good website yet. They don't have a lot of Instagram photos yet. So does that make sense? Like, I don't know if people think that like, oh, I'm only working with sexy established businesses. Like, no, I love to find a newer business that is starting but we have to do a project together so that I can trust them. I have to like at least know them a little bit personally yeah. um, because not all of my clients' budgets are the same and they're not all extensive. Sometimes I really believe in the event, but I can't hire my top favorite vendors because they can't afford them. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. You have to figure out, are there people who are really good at what they do and they just haven't been, I guess quote unquote, discovered yet. Yeah. Which is why collaboration and doing research is, or I guess sourcing, I hate to use that word, but like sourcing for really great new up and coming talent. Yeah. Is important. And I remember when you reached out to me for our first styled shoot, I was like, oh my gosh, this girl wants me to like photograph this shoot. And it's such a cool idea. And she's got this like professional mood board put together and she like 
has her ish together. Um, and I was like, oh my God, yeah, I would love to do it. So it's- well, and that's a great example because I was just reaching out to you to like, okay, I'm going to send a hundred emails to cool photographers. Like Cassie Yost is the top person I want to work with this year. So I'll just start there. Like I didn't think that I would get a response from you. And then that's a good, like everything you just said, like from your point of view, I was dialed. I made it easy for you. And I was just asking you to show up and shoot, which is what I assumed was what you do, you know, like I was just trying my best and it worked. You like responded so nicely and you're like, oh my goodness. Yes. Um, But then Cassie and I like, yeah, we did projects together and we did styled shoots together and we discounted for each other because we really believed in each other's work you know? Um, so I think if people aren't finding their people, I think you just need to keep trying. Like I don't, and I can, I can smell it. Like I don't want people reaching out to me just because I'm a planner. I want people reaching out to me because they believe in small, intimate, highly designed weddings, like in what my business is about. So I think if you're not finding your people or you don't feel like anyone is referring you, um, I think you just need to keep finding your people. Or if you're like, okay, Hillary's cool and I like the stuff she does, but I don't really want to do that. Like if you're also not finding, just find like the one vendor that you do click with and start small and grow yeah. it. Like I think that is what people don't realize is, I mean, I still feel like I'm small <laughs> and doing my best and growing it, you know, like People that you view as successful really just didn't give up at the first hiccup and they just like right. really, really worked hard. Yes. And then and then all of a sudden it does like start this year, I feel like for the first time in my business, I'm getting to a place where I'm like, oh whoa, the hard work pays off and niching down and saying no to the projects that are wrong, saying yes to what feels right, even if it's not always the most financially beneficial, like me jumping on this plane feels right to do. So I'm going to do it, even if that's a business expense. Um, You know what I mean? But then like it starts snowballing in a really good way to return. Yeah. Yeah. That I, as soon as you said that, I thought of that, you know, like a graph with a a slope. This is my financial little background where Got the Cassie. And it's going slowly, it's increasing little by little, and like it's year after year where you're increasing little by little, and then by year like seven, it's like exponential growth. And what if you stopped right before that exponential growth happened? And I think it's true because we all we all experience that. And for me, I didn't even start getting inquiries through Instagram until last year. And this mm-hmm. is my eighth year doing this. And people are like, oh, I get inquiries through Instagram all the time. And I'm like, I didn't start getting inquiries through Instagram until last year. So, you know, it's really important to not stop and keep your head down. And I would say that is what what I, I'm really good at, is I'm really good at keeping my head down and working on what I do and focusing on becoming better at my craft and just I, I'm consistently showing up. That's that's all I do. And I think 
you have to be willing to put in that time and that work because it won't happen right off the bat. And we all deal with the imposter syndrome. Like this year, I'm still, I've been like in my head about my work and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. Should I lean more this way? Should I lean more that way? Like my work, I, I don't know. Do people even like it? And we all have those internal struggles. But the trick is the people who are successful are the ones that learn from their mistakes, who keep their head down, who I think I learned this from, I don't know, a, a workshop that I went to years ago where they're like, if you want to become better and level up and have people like really love working with you at the end of every single event, write down what went wrong, what went right how you're going to fix the things that went wrong so that next time you're better at them. And that goes back to like what you were talking about. And I did that. And it's just little things that now I'm like, holy moly, it's amazing that I now when I do these, these events, um, I don't make little mistakes or, or not even mistakes. It's little things that make the client experience and the planner experience even better yeah. Um, and, and you don't need to ask to be on the preferred lists when you're creating an experience for everybody that makes them want you there. And I would add to that, you just have to care. Like, I think sometimes, especially this slower, um, like just have a fix it mentality, like back to what we were saying at the beginning. Things are always going to be changing. Life is going to be changing. Your business is going to be changing. So instead of being like, oh my goodness, I don't have as many bookings this year as last year. It's like I've seen people posting on Instagram and sorry, it just looks like complaining. And why would your clients hire you? Like the clients watching, if that's client facing, like I've I wouldn't feel super inspired to like give someone more business who's saying like, Oh, I can't get any business. But on the other side of it, like, Oh, okay. If I notice, like you're saying what's working, what's not working. Wow. Things are down. And I'm not like onboarding a bunch of clients. Like I was this time next year. looks like I have some free time to like try something new, to shake some things up, to reach out and, So I really felt it this year. Like I get tons of emails from people wanting to reach out and being like, hi, this is me. I'd love to work with you or put me on your preferred list. And I'm like, oh, you know, there's some strategies that work and don't work. But just back to like, um, also in my business model right now, like I can't work with everyone. I'm doing larger packages with fewer clients. Um, So like a lot of the inquiries I get for planning, I'm passing off to other planners. So, um, so I'm like, if you're a planner right now and you want to reach out, I'd love to know you, especially if you want to focus on day of coordination, because I've got a lot of business to send your way, you know? Um, but I can only hire so many photographers this year and they're already hired, you know? So just having that realistic expectation of like who you're talking to and not expecting everyone to like, but I reached out, you owe me this. It's like, nope. Referrals are a one-way street. Refer people that you feel good about. Um, yeah. Make their life easier. And it does, I do believe it 
comes back, but it's not like a direct one-to-one. Um, okay, Cassie, I want to hear what you think. We've already been talking a long time about some juicy planning stuff. I want to hear what you have to say about 2024 photography trends. Um, well, I definitely feel like, um, you know, people love editorial and that's been a thing for the past couple of years. I, I don't know if that'll go away per se, but I think that the documentary style people are really loving right now because everything's been so curated, so perfect with editorial and I love editorial, but I think people are, are steering away from that, especially, um, photographers. They are this whole like John Dolan and Daniel Kim who are hardcore documentary photographers. They've become like icons even though they've been doing wedding photography for years and years and years. In the all- same way, right? Like that's always been their style. Yeah, yeah, that's always been their style. And now it's become this thing. And that's what you see celebrities hiring them. And um, John Dolan did Naomi Biden's wedding alongside Corbin Gherkin, um, which I love Corbin's work too. But um People, people are really valuing the documentary style because it's not perfect. It's real moments. It's candid. And people, I think, are just tired of perfection mm-hmm. um, and overly uh, posed photos. And so in my world, that has become super popular. And I have a lot of clients asking for, like, they prefer the documentary style over overly posed and they are asking for more and more for film like that's become the expectation is that you shoot film and yeah. so that's that's what I see um I was gonna add from the planning perspective I am I feel like my photography friends I would kind of hear things like oh my gosh I would love to like shoot a whole wedding on film or like where that was kind of a creative um, goal. And now I'm seeing clients who are super open to that where maybe a few years ago it was like, Oh, if I could ever get someone who would do that. And now clients are asking for that more. Yeah. And, and um, when I've had planners reach out sometimes where they're like, Hey, you also do film too. Or what is, what is the package do you have an add-on for film? Those kinds of mm-hmm. things. And um, for me, I just, I've been shooting film for, in my weddings for a couple years now. And it's just standard in all of my packages. But um, I think that is one of the big trends. And more and more photographers are learning how to shoot film. Um, yeah. Which has been really, really cool. And also really tough at the same time because film prices are going sky high yeah because of demand changes how we price ourselves Um, yeah I'll probably spend I'd say six hundred dollars a wedding buying film Mm -hmm. and then another six to seven hundred dollars developing and scanning that film per wedding about how many rolls is that um so 120 film you get 15 ish shots and for 35 millimeter, you get 36 shots. So it depends on how much medium format film I'm shooting. Um, yeah. 
on average, I would say I shoot like 20 rolls of 35 and maybe 10 of the 120. So but that would just be if film was like a supplement, right? Like you have, you're like mostly on digital and then like $600 worth would kind of be like, you're getting all the key moments on film. Yeah. But it's supplementing. It's not the whole day. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I tell my couples that I'm like, Hey, I will primarily shoot like the really important things with film and then have, of course, myself or my second shooter shooting on digital so that Mm -hmm. just in case the film decides to die (laughs) in developing, you have those moments captured. Um, But if there's a situation where you're in a really dark room and something sweet is happening, I'm going to switch over to digital because if I put flash on my film camera and it disturbs that moment, I'm not going to use it because I don't want it to be a jarring experience for you or your, your friends and family right. to have a photographer shooting flash while you're holding each other crying about something. Totally. So tell them, it, you know, it's really dependent upon the situation, whether or not film will be a good fit for that shot or digital. So I do provide both, but I do lean heavily onto film because I, I just love the look of film personally. Yeah. And I think my clients do as well. So if a client, this is a real question I've been having lately, as I am seeing this trend that couples want more and more film. Um, when I, and this kind of goes back to, I really don't feel like I have preferred lists anymore. I have a strong network that's always growing. I'm always trying to connect with more people. And then based on the, the client, I'm sending them to certain vendors. So I don't feel like if someone asks for my preferred list, I don't feel like I have just like one that I can send. It's so dependent. So, um, more and more we're clients are looking for film, like you were saying, goes with the trend. If a client is open to having their wedding fully shot on film, as a photographer, do you feel like, would you ever genuinely just shoot a wedding with only film cameras? Or would you always take a digital backup? Um, I would like to take a digital backup. But I... And I've been shooting film since like 2006. My first college class was film photography. So I'm really confident in myself and my gear that if a client came to me and was like, nope, we only want film. I personally would feel confident in doing that because I would also bring backup cameras. And then I, for key moments, like the ceremony, first kiss, all of that, my second shooter would have a film camera as well. So if something happened to the role of film that I... I shot, at least we had a backup of it. Okay, got it. You would kind of back up with more film. Yeah, if their goal was all film. And I would tell the couple that I'd be like, hey, film is is not guaranteed. Like, I can send my rolls of film to my lab. And if something happens, then, you know, it is what it is. And that it's outside of my control. However, if I shot a film or a, a wedding in all film, I would like, drive down to the lab and deliver it myself rather than put it in the mail. Yeah. Um, But I would make sure they have the understanding that like, Hey, if something happens, just be aware. If I shoot only film, 
I can't guarantee it unless I bring a digital camera and back up each shot with digital. Right. Um, however, I am extremely confident that that won't happen. Right. But you kind of let them outweigh the risk, like explain how it works. Yeah. So yeah. they can decide. And I, I tell them, here's my backup plan. I bring a second shooter. She also shoots on film when we're shooting the ceremony and when we're shooting specific moments, there is another backup role of film happening. Um, but yeah, I would, I would personally be confident if, however, you're a photographer that is hybrid shooting digital and film and you're fairly new to film and you're not confident in doing that, do not offer it and do not say that to a client that you could do the that. risk could be so huge. Yeah. And like last year, I probably wouldn't have said yes, because I had been experimenting with different film cameras. And now I can pull out a film camera and I don't even need to meter the light. I know what setting it needs to be on, mm -hmm. dependent on the light. Last year, no, I, I wasn't as confident. I always used a light meter, but I would say it depends on the photographer's experience level. Yeah. Um, Sorry if that was like too much of an explanation. No, it's exactly what it's what the people want. It's what I want because I'm very versed, obviously, in hiring the overall. Like I know what look we're going for, but then I hire the experts because I'm not an expert in photography. I know how the process works, but I'm not. So one other maybe stupid question, but you talked about your film, you get it developed and you get it scanned. And I know that there's like different labs and things that do that. And sometimes there's mailing time and stuff. When the scans come back, do you edit them or like the scan is the scan? Well, when I first sent my film, I would edit it. But and, and photographers can like you just can't edit it as much as a digital file because right. it's it comes back as a JPEG and not a raw Okay. So film. you can like enhance or play with colors a bit, but you can't. A bit. Not a yeah. time. So I could edit maybe like the contrast and maybe the tones and colors just a little bit. If you edit it too much, it looks like a, you know, 1999 Instagram post, basically. Yeah. Awful. Um, but what I do is I will send it in and I've worked with my film lab enough to show them before and after where I'll edit a photo, a scan in Lightroom, and I'll show them a before and after screenshot of that so that they can see, oh, Cassie likes her greens this way. She doesn't like as much contrast. This is how she likes the scans to look. Mm -hmm. Now they have a basically like, not a preset, but kind of a preset of how they scan in my film. That's awesome. Yeah. Matches how I like it. So when they send it back to me, that's just how it's pretty I pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And you got to work with your film lab. Yeah. That's awesome. I think you should do another episode soon. That's all about the nerdy film stuff. Oh my gosh. Like you said, yeah. Yeah. So many people are into that. So I'm sure there's, if I have questions about film photography and I'm not a photographer, I'm sure photographers have a lot of questions. Oh, I love talking about it. I could talk about it for days, honestly. Yeah. It's so fun. It's amazing. But well, Hillary, thank you so much for coming on here. We've been on here for over an hour and I'm sure I'm not surprised. I am surprised, but I'm not. 
<laughs> well, I'm sure we'll do this again soon from what we've been talking about. But um, thank you so much for coming on. And of course, I'll link your website and your Instagram to this. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I loved this conversation and lots more to come. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Talk to you.